My name is Al Morton, and I want to welcome you to the Christmas edition of my takeout, where just like the British Prime Minister Johnson's parties, it's going to be full of glittering distractions and booster jabs. There will be wine and cheesy nibbles, maybe even the odd packet of watsits. We have even got a secret Santa. <laughs> because, well, it's Christmas. And whilst you all may have enjoyed the isolation of a level three lockdown last year, it's good to know that for some at least, it was business as usual. I mean, party time. <laughs> So let's all get down and do the Downing Street Boogie. The news has been filled with controversy over whether or not the Prime Minister and his cohorts were having an illegal Christmas party last year, whilst the rest of the country were locked down. Apparently, even though he didn't know a party was taking place, all rules were followed. A party in number 10... Oh, I hope they didn't wake Baby Will. Hey, shut up! Oh dear, oh dear, oh dear. Could this mean an end to the Imperial Empire? Still, it was good to hear the British Prime Minister's aide Allegra Stratton, reassuring us from the flight deck of the £2.6 million Tory party Death Star, I mean media suite, of course, that a party didn't take place. This fictional party was a business meeting. And it was not socially distanced. Oops. <laughs> to add to the British Prime Minister's woes, a new version of the dreaded Covid lurgy has emerged. It's a super spreader and quite good at evasion, not unlike the Prime Minister himself, allegedly. I am, of course, talking about the new South African variant of the virus, Omicron. You may as well call it the Starbucks variant because it's absolutely everywhere. I have to say, hearing it mispronounced as Omicron gives it a rather sinister bearing. Worse than any James Bond supervillain. Move over, Prime Minister. There's a new serial killer in town. Omicron sounds a bit more catchy, no pun intended, than the previous name, B11529. It would seem that the WHO, that is the World Health Organization, not to be confused with the Time Lord Dalek bashing Doctor Who of Ganymede, has a code of best practice for naming diseases. One simply can't just call it the variant, for example, although it may be spread by anti-masker, anti-vaxxers and far-right idiots. The idea is to give these viruses names that do not cause offence. Hence we have the alpha, beta, gamma and delta versions. You can see where I'm going with this. It's your basic Greek alphabet. The more scholarly amongst you may have noticed that the next two letters would have been Nu and Chi. But these have been skipped to avoid confusion, as Nu, for example, sounds, well, a bit like Nu, and Chi 
could be construed as insulting to the leader of the Chinese Communist Party and for encouraging more speculation over the possible Chinese origins of COVID. I always thought it a little odd how officials would go to such great lengths to avoid causing offence to absolute despots. The Kamal Khashoggi torture and murder is but one example where both US President Trump and British former Prime Minister May didn't want to upset Saudi's Crown Prince bin Salman in case he refused to buy military hardware or turned the oil taps off. Even the previous British Prime Minister, David, I totally didn't stick my todger in the mouth of a pig, Cameron, went on a camping trip with bin Salman, along with disgraced financier Lex Luthor, I mean Greensill. With this in mind, I was a little surprised that Prime Minister Johnson would choose to announce to the world at the COP26 climate summit that he'd been to Peppa Pig World and rather liked it. And by the way, the British government is totally not corrupt. Even here in Spain, we're not immune from this global trend of appeasing questionable regimes. I was in Madrid the week before a state visit from China's Xi Jinping. If you're ever in the area and decide to visit the Plaza del Sol, you're likely to find two larger-than-life Disney characters that walk around dressed up as Minnie Mouse and Winnie the Pooh. They go up to tourists and pose for photographs with them in return for a few euros. It's mostly harmless stuff, but these affable characters were rounded up and detained until after the Chinese state visit for fear of Xi taking offence. I later found out that Xi's detractors called him Winnie the Pooh. BBC Best Before Covid Corporation From the Fox News Christmas tree was set on fire. The suspect immediately taken down by police and tonight the network is expressing outrage. Overnight, cameras capturing nearly every moment of a Christmas crime that lit up Midtown Manhattan. The Fox News Christmas tree set ablaze outside the company's headquarters. Primetime host Shannon Bream showing viewers live. It appears that our giant Christmas tree there just a couple minutes ago was completely engulfed in flames. The Fox News Christmas tree arsonist dubbed as the Tinseltown torture. Of course, this is no laughing matter, and Fox News were quick to remind viewers it is a very serious crime against a tree that unites us. It is about the holiday spirit. It's about Jesus and Hanukkah. Although I'm not sure it has that much to do with Hanukkah. No one can burn down the spirit of Christmas. Well, I had to think about that for a little bit. But then I realised that if anything can burn down the spirit of Christmas... Twitter can. Twitter can. So I thought I would read you a few quotes from the Twitter sphere. T. 
T-Pain posted a short video of the tree fully ablaze with the lights mysteriously still working. He comments, I see Melissa is doing the Christmas decorations at Fox News this year. <laughs> Parker Molly took the burning tree image and created a 10-minute Yule Log video. Oh, very heartwarming. <laughs> Jojo from Jers said, There was a violent and deadly attack on our capital. Tried to overturn a legitimate election. Republicans, meh. Someone set fire to the Fox News Christmas tree. Republicans, this is an attack on everything we as Americans hold dear. This is an outrage. (laughs) Trevor Noah posted a video collage with the title Remembering Pine 11, the attack on the Fox News Christmas tree, an all-American tradition dating back all the way to 2019. (laughs) Middle-aged Riot posted... Republicans are calling the destruction of the Fox News Christmas tree a hate crime because it involved burning a symbol of Christianity. Oops, wrong photo. He's accidentally posted an image of some rather dubious-looking chaps uh, wearing white robes and hoods gathered around a flaming crucifix. I don't know what that's about. T-Pain makes a follow-up comment on a Fox News item. Sweet baby Jesus in a manger! He is righteously indignant that a Fox item covered the news that the Republican Party, Rona McDaniel, suggested on Wednesday that a Christmas tree fire at Fox News was somehow President Joe Biden's fault. Leaving aside the ridiculous nature of the claim, the image is of a news anchor pulling a face which is vaguely reminiscent of a bulldog chewing a wasp. saddened to hear that it was a mentally ill homeless man that had managed to set fire to it. The Fox Network had managed to find half a million dollars to decorate this tree with baubles and lights. And yet in many major cities throughout the world, including downtown Manhattan, there are homeless people sleeping in the streets. Where is the outrage about that? Meanwhile, back in foggy old London town, it's time for the Wacky Racists annual British Prime Minister's Quiz. Thank you. Thank you so much, folks. Welcome to another festive quiz hosted by your friend and no stranger to COVID, although he may be socially distanced from the truth. That's right. Get ready to lock up your daughters and rip off them face masks for the mighty quiz master himself. The king of the British Houses of Parliament, Dick Dastardly Johnson. But first, let me introduce you to our panel. Tonight, we have Miss Foxel Allegra Stratton, Rufus Rothcut Mug, the forgetful cat, at least when it comes to declaring offshore taxes, and the fashion goddess herself, Eliza Trust, Secretary of State for Pork Markets, Penelope Pitstop Patel, 
and Sakir Starmer, leader of the Anthill Mob. And keeping the score, the very delectable Carrie Antoinette. Um, yeah, um, good evening, everybody, and uh, thank you for that sterling introduction, and especially for the canned applause. There's only so much booing one can take. Okay. Now, the first prize is going to be a newly privatised NHS hospital. <laughs> I know, it's actually just a restocked medicine cabinet, but uh, we're telling everyone to call it a hospital. We've got 40 of them to give away. Oh, I can see you like that. Runners-up prizes include free PPE contracts and dodgy computer lessons. So, knee pads at the ready? I mean, fingers on the buzzers, please. Not you, rough cut. You've got your fingers in enough pies already. Now, who can tell me for ten points? Who put a border in the Irish Sea? Was it A, business secretary, QWERTY, QUARTANG keyboard? B, useless Eustace, a.k.a. Father Jack Hackett, drink? Or C, Frosty the Snowman? <laughs> I think I know the answer to this. <laughs> I heard what the Prime Minister said at the beginning of this session, but frankly it raises more questions than answers. You are listening to the Al Morton Christmas 2021 Takeout. Well, I'm glad there weren't any awkward questions, such as who bullied staff and kept her job, or who went on holiday as Afghanistan fell. Right, it's time for a few more cultural differences, and I thought I would tell you about Christmas in Spain. I have to say that it's quite different to what I was used to in the UK. There isn't the mad scramble in the supermarkets for the last piece of smoked salmon, or the rampant materialistic consumerism blasted out by loud advertising, although each year the decoration seems to go up a little earlier. Perhaps this year it's because we're all in need of a little Christmas cheer. We don't really have a tradition of Father Christmas, or Papa Noel as he is called here, and the main Christmas gathering and family meal is on Christmas Eve, usually after midnight mass. The children receive their presents on the Day of Kings, or Dia de Reyes, which is the 6th of January. In our family, it was always a slightly melancholy occasion because the children would open their presents and have a day to enjoy them. And then the next working day, it was school. Still, it does mean that we get a slightly longer fiesta than we used to get in the UK. So it's nearly time for me to go. This has to be a shorter episode because it's supposed to be a Christmas edition and I don't want to miss the post. As ever... I'm going to leave the last word on cultural differences to my great friend and guitar mentor, Mike Britton. And it reminded me of that time I was playing solo guitar in a rather posh bar near where I used to live. It was Christmas and the snow was falling fast. <laughs> no, it wasn't really. I was just trying to create a bit of atmosphere. I had played a few Christmassy tunes, which seemed to have gone down well. I felt confident and decided to play a challenging classical piece by Terega. I could feel the guitar breathing 
As the notes soared into the air, the Juan Casimiro guitar had never sounded so good. As the timbre of the last few notes died away, a man in the audience got up, pushed past me, spilling his pint over the guitar. I gave him a scornful look and asked him to be more careful. He turned around. Keep taking the tablets, mate. And with that, he trudged off into the cold evening air, leaving me wondering what the hell I was doing. It is a cautionary tale, and when I told it to my friend, he said he had many similar experiences. I wrote and told him that these were difficult times and that I didn't have very many gigs. Even my father, a double bass player, had very little in the book. It is a common thing with musicians. We all like to moan to each other about the lack of work and how little we get paid for the work we actually do. The last couple of years have been the worst that I can remember, but I received a cheery reply from my friend, which was as follows. Hello, Al. Sorry to hear that your dad is short of gigs. By now, in the old days, I would have received offers to plonk noises in some pit band for a pantomime production of Macbeth on Ice, Cinderella vs. Godzilla, or in Scotland, Robin MacHood and the Forty Thieves a Go-Go. He then goes on to talk about mums in response to my own mother's comments about a Jim Mullen concert she rather enjoyed. At this point, I should make it clear that he's talking about his own mother, not my own. Mother, despite knowing my commitment to jazz, once bought me for my 21st and being one of the few presents she ever bought me besides socks, a Hank Marvin LP. I later nailed it to my bedroom door. I've tried to lead a righteous life, if not a pious one, but people are so quick to be judgmental. I mean, you help old ladies across the road, play tambourine for the Salvation Army, organise guide dogs for blind badgers, but, but you rob one bank, shoot a few guards, and they're all against you. Topic. Lesson on not being taken in by apparent interest. Playing a gig once with this guy's eyes glued to my left hand. In the break, he came over. I was expecting some questions, interest, flattery even. He sidled up to me, looking a little sheepish. Uh, um, excuse me, um, I hope you don't mind me asking, but where did you get that watch? So that's it from me for now. I will be back in the new year. Until then, take care. Look after your loved ones, and may I take this opportunity to thank all of you for your support and encouragement through what have been very difficult times for many of us. Merry Christmas! Before I go, I would like to thank all the musicians and artists who have contributed. Full details and music credits can be found at almorton.com forward slash takeout. But in particular, I wanted to extend my gratitude to the following. Kevin McLeod of incompetech.com for his fabulous rendering of Tchaikovsky's Dance of the Sugar Plum Fairy. Biz Baz Studios for Johnson's funky disco music and Colin Thompson for his game show music. 
The guitar music was arranged and played by myself. I'm sorry there are no tablatures, but there is tons of that kind of stuff on YouTube if you're desperate. I should also like to thank Hank Marvin, multi-instrumentalist, according to his Wikipedia page. On hearing what Mike Britton had done with his record, he wanted me to play Apache for him. Eric Clapton's next. Watch out. Bye for now, and see you in the new year. This podcast was written, performed and produced by all Moth.